and welcome to Mr. America, The Bearded Truth, covering political and social issues one liberty at a time, with entertaining insights of current events and important discussions on topics that affect us all, shining the torch of liberty and brightening the future by bringing libertarianism into our everyday life. And now, your host, the friendly neighborhood libertarian, Jason Lyon, Mr. America, The Bearded Truth on Muddied Waters Media. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. So glad you're here. So glad you could be a part of today's show. That's right. We're still here. New time slot Fridays, 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 2 p.m. Freedom time. And uh, of course, I'm your host, Jason Lyon, Mr. Murka, the Bearded Truth. I want to thank you guys all for being a part of today's show, for hopping in, checking out the live stream, or if you're checking us on the podcast later, I appreciate it nonetheless. But of course, this is a Muddy Waters Media production, which means that you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Float, and Odyssey Live, and if not, on your favorite podcast app, where I would just encourage you and support you if you give us those five-star reviews, if you like us, share us out. Comment on all the the platforms you're checking us out on. Whatever you're doing, wherever you're seeing us, however you're getting this muddy content, give us some love, show us some love, and we appreciate you all very much for that. Uh, Before we start off today, today's conversation, which I do have the one and only Mr. Travis Bull Johnson, we're going to be talking about small businesses, how to – the Bertles that – the hurdles, the hurdles that are already enacted, already in the way of us being able to see small businesses be able to thrive and survive, um, and to to just get into the market, let alone um, as we look at the economic situation of our future being in questionable states, um, a lot of things teetering within the economy. Um, this is a good time to have this conversation of how we can start working together, see some changes, and and activate ourselves. But before we get into today's conversation, which I hope you're excited for just as much as I am, we got to give some love. So first of all, big love and appreciate the hell out of you guys for being here and joining us. Thank you to Matt and Spike for giving me a platform to come out here to talk with my guests about my opinions, my views, and my stances on things. And of course, theirs as well. And of course, thank you to KelseyLionDesigns.com. Uh, if you guys are a candidate, if you're a small business owner looking to take, to pick up and take off with your businesses, branding logos, business cards, publications, these are all ways that you can really set yourself apart and KelseyLionDesigns.com. You go there, go and put in the code, Mr. Bearded Truth or Muddied Waters. She's going to give you 10% off, but she is becoming quickly nationally um, recognized as being phenomenal and not just uh, just graphic design, but so much more. If you guys are heading over to Reno, you guys will see her as she's going to be giving a couple courses there. So make sure you guys are getting over there to KelseyLionDesigns.com for all of your needs, whether it's websites, uh, business cards, logos, rebranding, branding for the first time, whatever it is, get over there to KelseyLionDesigns.com. Looking to get some light reading in? We'll head on over to theworldgreen.com where you're going to be able to find Jack Casey. He wrote some books. Uh, is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? I'm not going to say. Are these good books? Are they bad books? I'm not going to say. But I will say that you can head on over to theworldgreen.com as he has been transitioning through the the challenges of libertarianism. He's been putting this into a book form. So it might be a good book for you to pick up for yourself. It might be a good book for you to, to pass off to one of your friends who still loves and adores the state. It's a good opportunity here. Uh, head on over 
to theroyalgreen.com and support my man Jack Casey. And last but not least, the nug of knowledge. That's right. I am wearing the taxationist theft from Mr. Daniel Berman. If you head over to nug, nug of knowledge, you can get yourself a couple nugs and gain a little bit of knowledge by using the code Mr. Beard or Bearded Truth. You'll be able to get 10% off, be able to get some love, get some happiness, get some nugs, and of course, get some of that knowledge. But without further ado, Let's go ahead before he gets too bored, falls asleep on me. Uh, it's been known to happen. It's fine. Let's bring on Mr. Travis Bull himself. How's it going today, sir? <laughs> Rubbing the sleep out. I see you. <laughs> uh, oh, it's good. It's good. It's a, it's a beautiful Friday. I'm excited having the, the new time slot here, so I'm glad that you were able to to work within your schedule, I know you guys are. Uh, we were talking on the pre-show. You're you've been struggling with the snow, and and I'm sitting here in shorts, so I got to say I got to be doing a little bit better than you, maybe in that circumstance. But um, but oh, I have you muted. That's fantastic. So, but nonetheless, <laughs> now that we've got that fixed, um, so you've got some snow up there in Alaska or not Alaska, up there in Minnesota. It's about as cold. When does first question? When does the snow go away for you guys? Uh, well, we've actually been in the forties for the last week and a half, so I've got some areas of my yard that's down to about three feet. Down to three feet. I want you guys to yeah. down to three. Feet. No, no, I no, <laughs> no. Now, now granted, it, it is completely gone in a lot of areas, and my problem is I am in the middle of farmland all the way around me. I am the only windbreak. So no matter which direction the wind's coming from, it's blowing the snow off all these fields and dropping it off in my yard. Mm. Mm. I'd like to get a dump truck and start returning it right about now. (laughs) That's a struggle that, Oh, see, this is, this is why like people who know me, I used to live in Alaska and thankfully we never got, that much snow i lived up far enough north where it was just frigid um it was too cold to snow in in many circumstances so that was just not tolerable then i moved up to connecticut where we got plenty of snow there and was like no that's not tolerable either so now i'm down south and it's like i don't need to retire just get me the hell out of here um from comments from the uh, (laughs) comment section i have never seen snow from meg jones that's you're better off, Meg. Don't don't wish for for any changes there. <laughs> um, but today's car- I, I tell you what, right. when you have livestock, it's a whole there. It's a whole different challenge when you have livestock and snow. I believe it, because you got to worry about like you don't even got to worry about just yourself staying warm. But I'm sure there's a lot of a lot of different precautions you have to take. You know, water, food, and everything else, and keeping them warm. Well, a lot of it's doing smart genetics. Okay. I mean, you get livestock or whatever that's bred for this kind of weather. Uh, our cattle are belted Galloways, called Oreo cows. They got white stripe right down the middle of them. Uh, but they're basically a, a Scottish Highland breed. So they're more equipped for, for this type of weather. During the winter, they get a second coat. Hmm. So it's not a matter of even having to add a bunch of fat to them because they'll grow out their own hair for it. Oh, that's cool. So. So a lot of that's the, and there's some days where I'm out there and and I'm all cuddled up or sheltered up from the wind and everything else. And they're out there like nothing's, nothing's going on. 
That's amazing. So before we dive into into today's conversation, where we're going to be talking a little more about your your livestock farm, um, who are you? Where are you from? Go ahead, plug yourself. I want to I want to learn a little bit about you. Okay, my name's Travis Bull Johnson. Uh, I am currently living in Minnesota, but I'm originally a Southern boy. I'm originally from Louisiana, uh, about mm-hmm. south yeah. far south in Louisiana as you can go without getting your feet wet. <laughs> so, but when I retired from the army in 2018, uh, my wife, who's from here, is a uh, parent said, "I tell y'all what, if y'all retire to here, we're gonna go ahead and give you your share of the inheritance, 40 acres, to retire on to." That's not bad. And, and I'll be honest, there's some time in the middle of the winter I start to wonder if it was worth it or not. <laughs> when it's negative 25 or negative 30, and I've got to go out there to get livestock taken care of, or there's a blizzard and I need to find some way to get over to our farm property, which is 10 miles away from our house to, to check on everybody. Uh, yeah. It, there's some days I'm wondering what the hell I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, so now we're, we're up here and we get, we're running for Congress. Uh, we're, our, our Facebook is, uh, is, uh, excuse me, bull, jo- bull Johnson for Congress. Uh, we're on YouTube, uh, Travis bull Johnson. Our website is bulljohnsonforcongress.us. Don't don't do what Matt did to me a while uh, last time when I was on his show and say it was .com. It's .us. <laughs> Matt. It's dot .us. Matt. <laughs> <laughs> I like to call him out when I can. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're tr- we're coming out here and we're trying to make soda. Uh, currently, there's only two candidates, me and the incumbent. Uh, at one point, we had three Democrats, but two of them were taken out with redistricting. Okay. Uh, the last one got so sick and tired of the Democratic Party, he said, screw y'all, I'm running as an independent. And then last week, he announced that he was withdrawing from the race to uh, volunteer with the Ukrainian Defense Forces. Wow. Wow. So he is, uh, so he has left the race, and uh, we're in talks now, and uh, he will actually, if I get, when I get elected, he will actually probably come and work for me uh, after he gets back. Cause I, I'd like to have that. He's more, uh, more center left. Yeah. But I, I like to have that difference in opinions within my yeah, people. Yeah. A good, a good challenging stick. Yeah. I'm, I'm not perfect. I mean, there's some things I don't think about. Okay. And, and it's sometimes good to have that perspective. So they may change my mind, maybe not, but. That's one of the things we were trying to press with this this campaign is we're here to represent everybody, not just one segment. Yeah. I mean, that's where everybody's frustration is, is they feel if the other party wins, they don't have a voice anymore. Yeah. And no, you, and you that's, need to make that's, sure everybody still has a voice. That's so true, because, I mean, like when we look at it and and this might be a good segue point of um, when we look at the economy overall, we see where Congress at the state level and at the federal level um, where they are serving to one specific business enterprise market portions, portions of the market. And it's usually the bigger, bigger people where in the small guys, we're all left behind. We're all left alone. And so, um, you know, it, it's so incredibly important that we highlight this, that when you want to serve everyone, it means that you free everyone, when you liberate everyone. And so when we look at the markets, how can we free people? How can we liberate them? And of course, this all starts with having to understand enough of the market 
and enough of the barriers in place to know how people are being limited. Um, so we we spoke a little bit about well, we hinted at the idea that you have a livestock farm, and so with you having a livestock farm, what what are your intentions with it? Because I'm assuming that this is a little bit of a business. How did it, how did it come about? Did you have to get a lot of permissions? Walk me through that process, if you will. Well, well, when I uh, when I got out, we decided this is what we wanted to do with my retirement. We wanted to get out. We wanted to go more towards a self sufficient lifestyle. Well, self sufficient lifestyle means being able to provide for the stuff that we can't trade or barter for. I mean, like internet, like car payments, like insurance. Okay, these are things that we need money for. So we decided, hey, we're going to do this small farm. Um, my first real issue with, with government regulations was, was the issue with the zoning office. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to build a barn or, a, excuse me, a, a hay shelter. And uh, it's Minnesota. We get all this snow. I wanted it fairly close to the road so I can get to it and get out with minimal of moving of snow and so forth. Yeah. They came back and said, well, no, you can't build anything within 150 feet of the road. I'm like, huh? Excuse me? Well, that's what the set aside and right away is for, for that air. That road is 150 feet from the middle of the road. I'm like, that's BS. What do you need 150 feet for? So I, uh, I went to the uh the county commission because it was a county county that did it and i'm sitting here saying okay if y'all can give me one good reason why you need 150 feet you know what i'll go back and be on my merry way yeah well of course they couldn't do it no and for half an hour i'm here i'm waiting i'm waiting give me an just give me a reason and finally the vice chair came back and said well we may want to make that road into a four lane one day it's a freaking dirt road (laughs) it's a gravel road Okay, so that's when I'm like, okay, you know what? This is this is crazy. And, and sorry, that, that really raises, this really raises a concern for me that this is a road, and sure, it's a public road or whatever else. But they go, well, it may be a dirt road right now, and it may be enough for one and a half vehicles to pass it, maybe two. Um, but we actually own your property. And so you don't get to use 150 feet of your property in order to do what you want to do. That right there just shows. Oh, I digress. Um... I mean, look, look at this way. My, my property is about 1,100 feet long along that road. Mm-hmm. Take 1,100 feet times 150 feet, and I'm losing acres yeah. of usable space that I can't put buildings on. Or, and, and it is, for a lot of it, it's not a big deal. For pastures, whatever, okay, you know what? I can still do pastures all the way up to the road because they can be moved easily. But when it comes down to my barn or my hay shed, so I have easy access during a Minnesota winter, I mean, that's an issue. Yeah. I mean, just to get to my barn now after a snowstorm, I got to go out there and get the skid loader out to, just to clear my way to be able to get in, to, to be able to get in and out of my barn. I mean, and they couldn't. And, and I, when I voice these concerns online and different websites I'm, or Facebook groups I'm part of, I, I've so, slowly learned that my county is probably one of the worst in in the area. I mean, there's all kind of businesses who do not do business or set up in Polk County because the other counties surrounding us are, are, have less regulations. Mm. So I mean. 
by that anecdote, <clears throat> less regulations means more business. Crazy idea. Yep. Um, so so beyond just having this arbitrary 150 feet, what other hurdles have you kind of encountered as you were building up your livestock? Okay, so so give you an example on my barn, and this is a livestock barn. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I tried to get electricity run to it, well, guess what? You need to meet all these electric codes. So just to put electric in my barn, which is we only put lights in a few outlets, was over five thousand dollars because that's what it cost them to meet code and to get inspectors out there. Okay, and so we're not talking about, I mean, running lines in a house or whatever. I mean, we're talking just inside a barn, wires running along the wall. Uh, so, I mean, so, yeah, those kind of things are just are, are frustrating. Uh, you could have, worst... have almost ran a long enough extension cord, just ran it from your house. and they would, like I'm, uh, I'm not going to say I haven't done that. <laughs> I don't know who may be watching. Okay, but, but there are still some areas in my area that yes, that is yeah. Uh, but it it shows like the stupidity of some of these these controls that they have in place, where it's like you have easy workarounds. It's just a matter of having the means of of getting those. Which that speaks to another thing of these hurdles, right? These hurdles are put in place to where people who can't afford to, you know, this is this is a smaller example, of course, because we're talking about just a simple extension cord running some PVC pipe underneath the ground and and running it to and from, but. With small businesses, when you have these hurdles put in place where it's like, this is not overcomable as a small business, the big businesses go, I can work around this. I can I can draw up a quick line and we'll, well be good. Well, the biggest example of that that we face is USDA inspections. Uh, my, so I've got cattle. Mm-hmm. Now, if you come up to me and say, hey, Bo, I want to buy 20 pounds of hamburger. I have to look at you and say, I can't do it. I can tell you an eighth of a cow that you have to buy live or a quarter of a cow or half a cow you have to buy live, but I can't sell you the end product because we're not getting it through USDA inspected. But you can buy a portion of the cow, we'll bring it to the butcher for you, and you pay the processing, and then you can pick up your meat because I'm not selling you meat, I'm selling you a live animal. Uh, that's the way we have to sell it. Uh, now, for uh, if I go through a USDA inspector butcher shop, mm-hmm. well, guess what? Now I could sell it that way. But for that USDA butcher shop to function, they need to pay an inspector to be there at all times when they're open. That inspector does nothing but sit down and look at meat on occasion. He is not providing anything to improve that, that business. So what happens is most butcher shops say, no, we're not going to go through that bullshit for get USDA inspected. It's not in our best interest because we're basically paying an employee with no value gained. Yeah. Who's not adding anything. I mean, since all these places shut down last year, I mean, it's an eight to 12 months wait to get into a butcher shop to begin with. So, but when you take an inspector and the, and the excuse for this is, and I've talked to Congress people about trying to change this. They're like, well, the inspector needs to be there for safety. Safe. Which point I say bullshit because you look at a big packing plant. They have these assembly lines that this meat goes by each inspector. They've got less than two seconds to look at that carcass before it's past them. Yeah. I trust my butcher 
He's going to be looking at the, that thing for a couple hours to find any imperfections, a lot more than I trust that USDA inspector sitting on a processing line or for uh, these major packing plants. Because when that meat leaves my butcher, it's got my name on it and it's got their name on it. They're not going to let anything out that door that's questionable. Yeah. It's, so, I mean, it's a, so it's not a safety issue. No, it's I mean, not. It's it's they they know that they can get their cut of this, and they they got bought out. I mean, the when it comes to the food industry, right? A lot of people talk about how it's good to have inspectors come through your restaurants and everything else because we want to know, right? You of course want to know if they've got cockroaches. You want to know if what you're eating is what they say that they're eating, and and as that libertarian, I say I would much rather not prevent a small business from starting up allow them to open up they have to take care of themselves but then have free market inspectors where it's like you go and pay for it now you've got a shiny badge that you could throw up on your door and say look not only is my food good but it's also been inspected like i want to go for a business that's willing to take that extra step but i don't want to stop a small business from being able to get in there and and kind of like what you're saying the butchers don't want to go through that usda process because it's so expensive all of that labor all of that money going towards that labor that creates no value well, it, it and that's not only that but then there's certain physical requirements they need to do that inspector needs to have his own office <laughs> everything there there every, you have to have a specific angle for your drain pipes you have to have i mean it, the, the listing of requirements is just it, is crazy i would uh, order him a porter john there's your office yeah. and there's there's the worth <laughs> of your job yeah but so so it adds so much to it and my whole thing is this is about freedom to to purchase what you want where you want how you want if you know that you're buying meat from me, but it's not inspected by the government. You should have that right to make that decision, whether you know me, you know my li- the conditions of my animals. If you want to make that call and say, you know what, I don't care if it's inspected or not because I trust you, I know it's coming from you, that should be your right. Yeah. Okay, that should be your option. Because it's- guess what? If I'm if I'm giving you a shitty product, I'm not going to be in business long. Exactly. Probably gonna take care of itself. Especially in the world of the 21st century right now, where everybody's got their their phones. Where you guys can get your Muddy Water Media phone case on muddywatersmedia.com slash store. Um, but everyone's got their phones, and we've all got Facebook, we've all got Twitter, we've all got Instagram, we've all got these things where your your puny little individual voice can be magnified, can be just explode out there. And as soon as you say, "Look, you know." Jason's got this restaurant and I ate six cockroaches in my one taco. Like I'm going out of business immediately. So it's in my best interest as a business owner to go, I'm going to fucking take care of my customers. Yeah. Or I put you in a situation where you have to go ahead and hire that inspector. So you can prove that, you know what, we've had issues. We've addressed them. We've fixed them. Yeah. Cause it, it, yes, people are going to make mistakes and we can, solutions are there. And, and so that's, Yes, you're you're screaming what I'm screaming here. <laughs> yeah. now, now, what's really so so as a farmer, as a small animal farmer, it limits my markets. Okay, so I cannot. I mean, I, there's there's four major processors that cover I think eighty or ninety percent of the country's processing ability. Now, I'll tell you a little secret. Now, with with COVID that kicked in, what is the price of your meat done in the grocery store? 
I think it's gone up. I'm... It skyrocketed. Yeah. Here's another secret. The amount a far a rancher is getting for his head of cattle has not. So who's the middleman? The Packers. Okay. They're controlling supply and demand. Because, of course, when one of these places have to shut down for a few months, well, guess what? I mean, we don't have any other option where else to bring it because there's only there's very limited major processors. Yeah. So when they shut down, it, it has a huge effect on supply and demand, which is the excuse they used for, uh, for raising the prices. But here's another secret for you. Our exports didn't go down. Hmm. There was not an actual shortage. They've got 30, I mean, 90 to 120 days worth of, of meat that's already been butchered on stock. Huh. So, but again, there's only a few companies working in, in conjunction with each other. Yeah. Uh, how are you as a customer going to have the option of going, hey, I can go somewhere else where it's cheaper? Well, you can't because it's not the grocery store's fault. That's They are having to pass on to you with the Packers pass on to them. And since the Packers are the only game in town, and we don't have access again to local butcher shops that could sell choice cuts, there's no incentive for the for the Packers to keep their prices down. Yeah. There is no competition. Exactly. Without that competition, there's no reason to keep to push and, prices and the, down. Right. And the government is limiting the competition. Uh it's frustrating for me because uh because Massey, Representative Massey, has been trying to push something through called the Prime Act for years. Yeah. What the Prime Act would do is it would allow you to buy cuts from a custom butcher with the understanding that you know it is it's, it's fully disclosed, that it's not a USDA-inspected butcher. It's your choice, your call. Uh, there are still some, uh, and, and what it does is it takes USDA out, it puts the pressure back on the states. And that's it's the it state's be. responsibility to, to approve it and come up with any required standards, not the federal government with, with a one-size-fits-all. This this uh, all speaks to the idea, and, and we've seen this in, in so many of the different markets, right? Um, the right-to-try um, movement of, you know, medication doesn't have to be approved through the FDA for you to be able to try it, right? If, if there's... This is the correct answer because it puts the responsibility not on the government, but on you yourself. You're responsible for your own life. And if you think if you've done your research or if you haven't done your research and you just think this is a better way of doing it, it's your life on the line. You have to take those risks. And same thing for the butcher. Uh, when we talk about hairstylists and, and the burdensome regulations and controls that are there, just to become just to cut people's hair, you have hundreds of hours in some states to of training required to do this. If you want to go to somebody who didn't go to hundreds of hours of training, I don't care enough about your hair to stop exactly. you. I don't. You got to live with the results. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> you get the bowl cut. It's fine. Enjoy your bowl cut. Mama didn't have it when she was cu- uh, cutting it for you in the kitchen back back when you were a kid. Your barber didn't get the training either. It's fine. You do what you want to do. I'm yep. going to go see a barber. <laughs> well, look, it, it's not just on the meat side. I mean, we have uh, here in Minnesota, there's a huge demand for uh, for raw milk. Yeah. Oh, we can't really sell it. I, I, I've got goats, and goat milk is in very high demand. I mean, it's the fat content, is, the butterfat content is very high. 
It's great for ice creams and stuff like that, but I cannot sell it for human consumption. I can sell it for animal consumption. Oh, by the way, when I sell it to you for animal consumption, you have to bring your own bottle to fill it up. I can't provide a bottle or anything. You have to come with your own container for me to fill up. I'm going to set a bunch of containers outside my own building. If you want to pick one of those up and say that you brought it, you brought it because these, I, these I mean, rules are... Well, and here's what's frustrating about it is every time you open up that milk for air or anything else, you're you're increasing the possibility of contamination. Yeah. So it actually makes it less less safe the more the more that milk is handled. And if you're having to pour it from one container to another, I mean, you're just... You're increasing. Oh, I. The frustrations. I, it's ridiculous. I hope I didn't lose him for good on this time. No, we're back. Sorry about that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think I think it's still my router, so I apologize. Oh. It's on the list. It's on the list. I promise. Muddy Waters Media. <laughs> uh the the issues trademarked <laughs> it is what it is but no it, folks you need you need to subscribe to him so he get more money and get better equipment okay you'll need to anchor, help, help the brother out anchor.fm slash muddy waters slash subscribe um yes but oh i forgot i've been supposed to be plugging that but anyways <laughs> everything to help you out man it didn't help you out yeah um but no the it 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 is so it's almost as if we have legislators creating these policies because it was a benefit to one of the one of the union groups, one of the lobbyists or everything else where they were able to get a cut from that rather than actually understanding the market, understanding how things are going to work logistically. And they just put these things in place. And it's just like, yeah, we don't care if it's there's more contamination because it's being handled in more different directions. We just want to be able to help our own guys out. It's. Well, it it, it kind of goes on a conversation I've had on a, on my podcast, Independent is Power, a few weeks ago. Yeah, and, and that was talking about the how the uh, the Republicans basically put to bed the the Ron Paul Revolution and, and the reasons for it. I mean, you take everything that came up with the Ron Paul Revolution, and we thought we had momentum during, after that the Ron Paul Revolution. It was about smaller government. It was about all these things that are that are important to us. Well, guess what? None of those things are important to big business who are who are basically funding our our political politicians. There is no money to be made in small government. There is no money to be made in no wars. There is no money to be made by canceling the drug war. Okay, that's what's important to the donors who are contributing to the major political parties, which is why the Republican Party just basically said, "Okay, Ron Paul Republicans." Write down and go back in the corner because now we're your only option. Uh, and it left all these political orphans. Yeah. Uh, it's the best way I have for them is the, the physical, the, I mean, and that's, that's why the, the Mises caucus is so popular within the Libertarian Party. It's a lot of these Ron Paul Republicans who believe in everything, the same things that we believe in for the most part, don't have a home. And, and we are now the, we are the closest thing to what they believe in yeah which is what frustrates me on when when we have so many people wanting to turn our back on these people when we share 90 percent of the 
90% of the platform agreeing. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's just frustrating because we shoot ourselves in the foot. We do. And, and diving into problems of the LP, we could be here for 17 and a half episodes <laughs> and, and not repeat a single word. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, that, that idea that there are so many people disenfranchised from the duopoly, so many people disenfranchised from, from the different parties and, and wanting to be able to pull that lever of power with, with somebody else in order to shrink the size of government. Um, there are a lot of people that are very short-sighted of, of my way of liberty or no liberty at all. Um, and, and we see this, you know, across the entire spectrum of libertarianism where, we would rather infight than outfight. We would rather fight amongst ourselves rather than go, hey, look, here's some legislation that we agree across the board is not good. I, as I've spoken about on, on um, criminal justice reform topics, as I've spoken about on certificate of need of health care, as we've spoken about education bills, I haven't really found any libertarians to be opposed to this and plenty of opportunities for us to go out there and put, put a good message out there to see some change. And they go... No, I'd rather go fight with this this left libertarian, or I'd rather go and fight with this Mises caucus, or I'd rather go fight with this audacious caucus, or or radical caucus, or or this caucus, or that. I'm like, all right, you guys go enjoy yourselves. I'm gonna go over here. I'm gonna try and do some work. I'm gonna go make a podcast because at least somebody will listen to me. And, and tell you what, it's for me who's been on the campaign trail, it's actually been uh, enlightening to mm -hmm. me to a certain extent because I I live in a district where Donald Trump took 65 percent of the vote. With redistricting, it probably went up to closer to 70. And these are people, when I go out and talk to them, I talk about the need for criminal justice reform. I talk about the need to, to get the government out of determining what marriage is. These people agree with me. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not having the, the response back that many people will say all oh, there. It's a very small percentage who are the religious right, I'll call them. Most of these people are about, hey, we we want the ability to make our own choices. Yeah. We do not want the nanny state. And you know what? If I don't want the nanny state for this, I understand that means I don't have the nanny state for these other issues that I that's close and dear to my heart as well. Yeah. But it's better to be free than not. Yeah. And and, and that's if if anything COVID has taught the people, that is it. I mean, that was that's been the first real restrictions people across the country have had to face together. It was, it was it's given everybody a taste of it. Yeah, no, for sure. It, it's really interesting to see the way that the 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 different collectives have been been able to function through all of that. Um, a, a fun anecdote. I, th I still find it kind of funny. Um, Donald Trump, when he was still president, I went to a, one of his rallies uh, pushing for criminal justice reform action here at the state level in South Carolina. We were also pushing for some federal um, as a as a secondary issue. But I was standing out there as there was literally hundreds of people sitting all day long waiting to go in to see Donald Trump. Um, and and so we went down. We were having a hell of a time just running around talking about criminal justice reform. And I couldn't believe how many people accused me of being commie, uh, being a socialist, of, of being very left-leaning. And our, our spiel, my spiel, the way that I started this was President Trump was 
was the president who signed the first step act which was a which was a good step forward for the criminal justice system this was looking at reforming the criminal justice system within like the drug laws this had uh plenty of people that got out on um much lighter sentences than what they would have been and and yet we got screamed down by so many people it's like trump took the first step now let's see if we can push for the second step and it was like you comment you socialist get-. And i was like come on now man like i was just not come on but you're right though is is like when it comes to this there the- are many people out there that that see it and the people out there supported trump because they saw that he was in some in some aspects was very much for smaller government those are the people that we got to talk to of Hey, you now, agree here? Let's expand that out. Now, the uh, the rally you were just talking about was that before, during, or after COVID? Uh, it was just before. That's the difference, it, because none of those people have were were felt the restrict government restrictions really. Yeah, it's once they started rolling out and, and they started seeing how much power the government had over their day to day lives, and that's something people the the average Republican voter never really thought about until COVID. It didn't affect them. The, uh, the things that affect the, the people of color, that didn't affect them. But once COVID started hitting and it was an equal opportunity restrictor, yeah. now all of a sudden the, they're starting to realize, hey, wait a minute, this is what liberty and freedom actually is. Yeah, often- now, now it's affecting us. Now we care. Yeah, oftentimes, well, so two things that just came to mind. Um, the first one was like, people don't care about what you think or what you say until they know how much you care, which is an important thing when we're marketing. But the second thing is, is that um, when we're talking to people, it's this is almost the reverse of it, but it, it was always, if you want to sell something to somebody, it's what's in it for me with them. What's in it for me? And, and it was, well, we're talking about like, you know, as you said, you know, people of color, that doesn't affect me. I'm a white person. Uh, is government crushing me. That's not, that's not happened to me. I'm doing fine. I'm middle-class or whatever else. And then as you said, COVID happened. It was like, wait a minute, this is happening to me. It, <laughs> I don't want it. What's in it for me now? Like, where's this freedom? Can we get this freedom back? And that's what's frustrating me so much about our, the LPs internal civil war mm-hmm. is god this is the perfect opportunity for us the perfect. it is a target rich environment for us to convert people i mean look in just in my district okay in the district i'm running in and it's huge it's 38 counties yeah uh it takes me five hours to go from my house to the southernmost tip another hour and a half to go to the northernmost tip <laughs> uh if that gives you any idea but there is three or four counties already who have basically the G- Republican Party has has basically s- split. I mean, as full as on full on coups between liberty loving people and the establishment. Yeah. And it, this is I mean, it, there is a civil war now that's been created there against the people who are really starting to go. Wait a minute. Us people on the bottom are losing our liberties while the establishment just wants things to keep on going the way it is. Yeah. And that doesn't work for me. No. Okay. And people oftentimes they, they agree with the idea of change. 
and and that's what we've got to encapsulate is that we are here for change we're going to see change we're going to make an appreciable change for each and every one within our communities within our districts everything else um because the establishment what is the establishment doing they're pushing the same old status quo you're going to see the bureaucrats you're going to see the regulations we're going to see these controls and and to bring it back to this you know you're going to see small businesses be shut having their doors shuttered for them you're going to see Lower income families be hurt over and over and over again. You know, you know what the other main concern I hear about from people? Mm-hmm. Corporate welfare. Yes. Okay, that is what, and you know what that goes right into. Uh oh. I lose my. What we're talking about today we is is the corporate welfare program where they won't allow a what's that? Oh they no! Won't it allow it just froze for a second, fail. but you're good. Yeah. I mean, because when that big business fails, that's where small businesses come in to fill that 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 void but if you don't let the businesses fail those small businesses never have a chance to grow and it's all been so so much about we got to protect the economy we can't let these big businesses fail you need to let these big businesses fail because the the only person that's really got hurt on the economy is a small business that could have filled that void yes that's why these corporations are so large is because they are not held responsible for their bad decisions. They make a bad decision. The government's going to bail them out. No big deal. Yep. So they can do whatever they want. They can act recklessly to try to make every dollar. They can give, they can let their coffers go real low because they're trying to protect their and feed and feed their investment investors. Because at the end of the day, we're not their customers. The investors are, that's who they care about. Yes. Uh, and, but you know what? That's what the uh, the corporate welfare program has done is made to protect them, and, yeah. and that's a and people are waking up to that fact. I mean, uh, a lot of the people on the right don't want to hear the fact that that was the main thing driving Donald Trump is that it was what was best for Donald Trump. I mean, he was he was very dependable on you figure out what was best for him. That's the way things we're gonna that's you follow oh. that you can you can do well on it okay you're swearing no on the man that. now <laughs> okay. okay you I mean but but in fact the matter is I mean and even his supporters right now a lot of them acknowledge that. Yeah. Uh but the thing is the big the them it was more important that he was anti establishment than the fact that he was pro business. But but now they're starting to realize hey wait a minute these corporate welfare programs and that's one of the things the right and the left can agree on is these corporate welfare programs have to go. Yeah. Uh, I, tell people, look at, I tell people. When we look at the COVID relief bills, I mean, people right now are talking about the inflation and they're blaming it on the little $600 checks that people were receiving. And I was like, that was a percentage of, of all the COVID relief bills that went to yep. other nations, that went to our own big businesses, that didn't go to small businesses to keep well, them afloat. It went to big and medium-sized businesses for the most part. And, and here's what people don't realize, and I didn't realize until I went through this last, this uh, one of those COVID b- b- bills is roughly 10 to 15% of those COVID bills go back to the government to administer the programs. So every one of those those bills increased the government by, by 10 to 15% of whatever the total amount of that bill was because, well, they need to administer the program now that they just created. There was billions in one of one of the um, uh, one of the COVID relief bills. There was billions of dollars being allocated to a museum, to or just a couple of museums. It's like that's when we are worried about COVID, and you're going to say we're going to save you. Have this museum, like 
come on now and and that you know, that's that's government that, that's at its best the, that's the same one that promised a lot of money to these aircraft manufacturers providing they lay they they lost had lost so much of their workforce so it actually encouraged them to lay off people so they qualified for the government money yep they had, but they had to show they they had lost so much of their workforce and that they because they they couldn't support them anymore and yeah so it encouraged the these businesses to fire people to qualify for the money i mean and yeah i know what you're talking about because i mean that's actually been one of the most popular posts i've ever done on my uh on my facebook page yeah this was my first one that got shared that i got shares into the hundreds and likes and stuff into the thousands which for a, a new libertarian candidate at that time that was kind of a big deal yeah hey, uh but yeah i mean that's when it actually was going to they're like what the hell and, and that was the money we didn't see not the 600 hundred dollar check that was the that was the crumbs of, the crumbs so of yeah, the that, loaf of bread that they were handing out yep and, and people just don't understand oh you they need we needed that money well that your money you know what yeah your money hurt pro, the pro, program but it's not what's killing us yeah, it's all the corporate welfare money on there that's killing us. It's the printing of the the money press constantly p- printing out all this money, and right now what we're seeing is small businesses are going to be worse off because we're advocating. If you're if you're looking out there across the media right now, people are pushing for tax or gas relief funding, and it's just like. One of the issues was that we've got way too much spending, so we've got a higher interest uh, or paying higher interest payments on the debt that we already have. So if we just stack more on that, that's going to you know hurt us. But the Federal Reserve has no plans on slowing printing out all that funds. We're just accelerating this. I'm wondering when Venezuela is going to be here. Well, and, and that's one of the things. That even with uh, I have the debate with libertarians about. Mm-hmm. Is because of course libertarians, as your hat says, taxation is theft. Uh, but a, as somebody who's running for Congress, I want to see the, te- the tax code simplified. But I'm not running on reducing taxes because until we control our spending, we can't afford it. Yeah, we just cut taxes out without without reducing our spending considerably. Inflation's going to go even wor- even higher and make it even worse because they're going to keep on printing that money. Completely agree. So it's just irresponsible to cut the taxes until we cut our spending. We need to cut the spending now so that we can reduce and get rid of the taxes. Absolutely. And and so for me, like I use this as a nice springboard for the conversation of, all right, let's cut the spending. We need to cut spending, cut 2% off of everything. 2% off the top, and next year we'll cut off another 2% and just have this go through this way. We'll look at is the agencies are these the where we're funding these are these federal constitutional or is a state level if it's state level get the federal government out of it yep. we're lopping off sixty percent of the funding right then and there um, at least now we can actually pay down our debt and as the debt gets lower tax rates drop down I would like to well, see a fair tax and et cetera and, and one of the things we need to do as libertarians is we need to sell yes we're going to cut spending. Or, we're gonna okay. So let me give you an example: Department of Interior. Yeah, they've got this huge budget. Well, part of this huge budget is due to managing national forest and the Bureau of Land Management. 
so if we cut that funding, who does that fall to? Well, guess what? Let's take some of these national forests. Let's turn them back, turn it back over to the first Americans. Let's do a, a land back to the Indians. Guess what? Y'all, I mean, now they can manage this. Yeah. Okay, now the government doesn't have to. So we have to figure out not only, yes, we're going to do this, but how are we going to replace it? Okay, if we're going to get rid of OSHA, guess what? We probably need stronger unions because the unions are going to make sure their workers are safe if, we, if the government's not doing it. These kind of talking points, look at people, look, people look at us and go, okay, wait a minute. They've actually got ideas on how to do this, not just, I'm going to cut spending. What yeah. are you going to do if you're going to cut spending? How are you going to, I mean, who's going to do it? How are you going to, you make, going to make this up? You can't just say blanket policy, uh, private industry will, will pick up the slack. Yeah. Okay, you need to have definitely. specific ideas to, to at least start talk, start the conversations. Definitely. Uh, and, and that's, that's the thing, like, that's a good message for a lot of libertarians because so many of us within the ranks and files, we sit there and we have complaints for days and they're well substantiated claims. And then it's like, all right, what's the solution? It's just like, I'm going to complain. It's like, oh, <laughs> uh, you have fun with that. Like, you it's, have to have, like you said, you got to have those solutions in hand and, and have a couple, right? Have a couple ideas and be like, hey, these are some starter ideas. What do you think? Put it back on the other person. How would you like to see society ran without the government doing it? And it allows for people to be more engaged in that conversation. Well, and I found that, I mean, people appreciate it. The fact that you're coming with ideas. They may not always agree with the idea. But there's some ideas I've thrown out there that I thought would be very controversial, like like the uh, the land back to the natives, to the Native Americans, and found that I've got it's got a lot more. When people start thinking about it, they start going, "That's not a bad freaking idea." Can we can we make sure we protect people's right to hunt on that land? As long as you can do that, they're all for it. Yeah. And, and and these are people who normally you wouldn't expect to be in that camp of saying that was okay. Uh, I mean, the the old saying is keep on doing what if you keep doing what you've always done, you're always going to get what you always got. And and that's where I think that's I mean, also the definition of insanity. It is, <laughs> and that, but that's why people like when you come in with different ideas. You're just like, you know what? Yeah, I mean, it, it may work, it may not, but we can't keep doing what we're doing now. Yeah, what we're doing now is failing. If this idea fails, we're no worse off. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean, so we've got the potential to let's go with this potential to improve rather than keep doing what we've always done because let's face it, it's not working. I mean, our our debt is going through the roof. Uh, the and, and our GDP isn't growing as fast as it should be. Why? Because the small businesses who are your actual producers aren't being allowed to thrive. Well, thankfully, and the corporations are going out of the country to get stuff done. And thankfully, with the GDP, and I say thankfully very, very sarcastically and ironically, uh, within the GDP is government spending. So as long as they spend more, GDP goes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a fraudulent counter metric, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, and again, again, the, the we got to get through these regulations. Again, how do we shrink government? Limit regulations. The the less regulations they have, the less programs you have, the less employees that the government needs to to run these things. Uh, now the problem is with public sector unions, shrinking government is going to be a beast. 
That's yeah. not the word I was going to use originally. But uh, <laughs> I mean, because I mean, I, I was in the army during the drawdowns of the, the 90s. Yeah. And it, it didn't really save a lot of money because all you did was shift shift employees from one area to another. Now you had to pay the relocation costs. Now you had to pay for new house. I mean, you had, they had an allowance to get them a new house. And I mean, yeah, you shrunk the, the workforce by a percentage. But all you did, you took that money you saved from shrinking it and you put it towards other compensation. Yeah. Why? Because the union, the public unions are so strong. I mean, that's, that's one of those tight ropes I have to walk of. I'm, I'm a firm supporter of, of private employee unions. Uh, public unions, not so much. So yeah. why? Because public unions are going to make it harder for me to shrink the government. Yes, very uh, much so. And we and, see them all the time. They're, they're the ones yeah, I mean, opp- opposing it, everything. And you know what? And if they would do a good job of policing their own instead of just protecting their own, even the bad apples, I mean, that, that's the problem we have with the police forces. I mean, and, and I'm lucky. I'm extremely lucky in that I live in small town America where all the police, you know, all the police, they all know you, they, they police in their own communities. And we don't have a lot of the, the issues that the, the police in the, in the cities have when you have people who are policing areas where they don't live. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I'm lucky in the fact we just don't have that many of those those bad apples here. Uh, but the fact is, the ones you do have, like in the cities or wherever else, the unions protect them. They don't allow them to get weeded out. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. And that's what's frustrating. I mean, that's the, as you said, the criminal, we could talk criminal justice for days. I, that's, that's one of my favorite topics for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, but, we could talk for days. But, they were supposed to be on businesses. Yeah. But. But, so I want to, I want to give you the last, last couple thoughts here. Um, give us your thoughts on wrapping this up from, from this. What do you kind of recap with what the small businesses are facing and then feel free to plug yourself again. I want to hear a little bit about your podcast. You just started up a new podcast. want to hear, hear what that's about and where we can find that as well. Okay. Uh, Best thing we can do with small businesses is is we got to, if we're going to have regulations, they need to be no shit requirements. Okay. This is something that's actually in the cut that's needed. Get rid of all this extra BS. Look, get rid of everything that's restricting small businesses from from uh, thriving. Uh, we got to do something about this this top up corporation uh, philosophy. I mean, mm-hmm. these these huge cop, hot copper, um, corporations are limiting our ability the ability to compete. Uh, perfect example is when you take a packer. Yeah, they're all for yes. We we want USDA inspectors. Why? Because they could split up that cost of, of one inspector with five hundred cows, whereas a small butcher needs five cows to pay off that same inspector. The price per animal is is a huge difference. They can afford it, and at the same time, it allows them to limit competition. I mean, that's why Absolutely. they keep pushing this. I mean, they're on one hand they're like, yeah, we don't want all these inspectors, but on the other hand, they're like, yeah, you need to keep them keep them here because it's it limits our our competition yeah uh i mean because and for on livestock providers like myself is when we have very limited options of where we're going to sell our how we're going to sell our animals we don't have any leverage 
we can't use supply and demand. Yeah. Uh, because they, they, they're the ones who control it, not, not us. I mean, the way supply and demand is supposed to work is the, the, the suppliers are supposed to have some kind of say. And, uh, and we don't, because guess what? If we don't sell it to them, oh, well, we're just bringing it in from Brazil. Yeah. Which is where JBS is based out of. Uh, where they supplement it. Their government supplements it. I mean, that's, that's the other challenge we face over here all the time is, is foreign governments that supplement industries in their countries. And it causes our, our government to have to supplement ours to keep everybody on an even playing field. Uh, that's something we see in the sugar industry. Because, yeah. of course, like Cuba and all those countries, they are heavily, that's the only way their, their people are employed is because the government's supplementing the, uh, the sugar industry. Yeah. So, of course, they, they can produce a lot cheaper than we can. Yeah, when whenever we see those subsidies, they always help out to ensure that more is able to come there. And of course, as we go, hey, we're going to help you. Guess what? We're not helping ourselves out. But yeah, but um, so we're coming up on three o'clock now, and I don't, I, I can't go too far. Oh, yeah, I like to talk, man. I, no, I love you it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So yeah. I want to hear about your podcast. What is it about? Okay. What do you guys cover? And then, uh, and then of course, plug your campaign and everything else right. you're getting involved with. So a few weeks ago, we started a podcast called Independent is Power. Uh, the, the thought process behind this, this was to show, hey, we, you don't have the strings being pulled by a corporate entity or by a huge party entity. You have the power to represent your constituents, not just do as you're told. So many of our representatives right now are puppets on a, on a string. They have no power. They do what they're told. Because the big money, corp, the uh, party money is going to be withheld if you don't. Yep. Well, guess what? When you're an independent or you're a libertarian going into this, there is no, we don't have any strings. I mean, I, I tell people this all the time. Well, when, I, when we talk about libertarian party and they're like, well, you're just doing one master for another. You got to, well, guess what? Libertarian party don't make enough money and contribute enough to, can, to candidates to, to have any leverage on us. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so true. It, that's one of the. Uh, it's it one just of the... doesn't work that way. Yeah. So, uh, so that's where we, we focus on. Just go ahead. You went off for a second. Oh, it, that's like one of the perks and the downfalls of the Libertarian Party. They don't have any levers of power to control you, but they also don't have any levers of power to help you. <laughs> help you, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, so we started that a few weeks ago, and uh, a lot of it's focused off, off of our campaign. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I've made the decision to run as a independent libertarian rather than a libertarian nominated candidate. Uh, I tell people, hey, what's more libertarian than a libertarian running without asking for, for permission from the party? Okay. Uh, and, and part of the reason for that is just the fact that I need this candidate, this this uh, election to be about me, uh, not not the libertarian party. I need people to look at me and go. This is our candidate. This is I want to be a candidate first in the eye of the population. Yeah. Uh, because guess what? We don't have enough of a base for that libertarian ticket to to get me a whole lot of bit of of, uh, of help. What I found is when people don't go into that preconceived notion and you start hitting them with libertarian ideas, they start going. That's a good idea. Yeah, they start accepting. At a point, which point we spring it on them. Yeah, yeah. Libertarians have been saying this for years. <laughs> uh, 
so so uh that's that's our podcast you can you can find our podcast off of our facebook page or our youtube channel youtube's tra- channel channels travis bull johnson okay our uh our facebook page is uh and, and i'll probably gonna screw it up here so i'm gonna double check it because <laughs> travis bull johnson for congress and our website is a uh, Bull Johnson for Congress.us. Matt, right? It's US. Yeah. Uh, guys, if y'all can help, if y'all can help support our campaign, I'd appreciate it. We have a great opportunity. We've made a deal with Koala Media, uh, who's going to be doing our our commercials for our uh, our campaign. That's awesome. They've agreed to do it for between three thousand and thirty five hundred dollars. Uh, and give you an example, uh, Mark Lindquist, who was running, he's the one who just dropped out, paid eighteen thousand five hundred for theirs. So uh, you're gonna you're gonna steal the deal and such an opportunity up there. It's well, and, and the thing is, to do that though, I need to come up with another thousand dollars by the end of the month, mm. so I can make our our fifty percent deposit before we start because we're planning on starting to film film these things the first part of April. All so right. any help on that will, to get us to that number is is greatly appreciated. If if we're going to make a difference, I need help. I mean, it's I mean, the benefit of of this race right now is the Democrats are not going to put any money in it. Yeah, the Republicans consider this a safe seat. They're not throwing a lot of money into this. They're going to be putting all their money into battleground areas. Yep. Uh. And they're going to look at it and say and to the incumbent and say, hey, if you can't beat an independent libertarian, you shouldn't be there. Yeah. So, I mean, so our money will make a big difference. It will. Uh, it absolutely the, will. The, the, the big dollars don't give the advantage to the incumbents as much anymore. Where do they spend it? They spend a huge amount of money on TV ads. Who watches TV anymore? Yeah, no, it's a, it's definitely dying it, out, especially. It, it's all streaming. So, it, yeah. so it's kind of a a uh an equalizer for us the fact that i can spend my money and advertise a lot better on youtube or, or facebook get a lot more people for for less money yep than tv and it kind of 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 uh in these big campaigns don't really know ex- with the exception of aoc and yeah. some of those people how to utilize social media yeah they definitely have to get catch up with the with the 21st century in a lot of ways but um i got one last plug yeah if anybody's interested in in helping me out as a social media manager going back on that last topic that would be very much appreciated reach out to me uh absolutely we're, we're looking for that some volunteer coordinators anybody who's willing to help please reach out to me all right. Well, I appreciate it so much, Travis, for you taking the time out of your day and hopping in here today to talk about. I mean, we went all over the place, but we started with small business. We got we got into party <laughs> politics. We got into yeah, no. So great conversation today, and could not so be. You're supposed to be able to steer the conversation. Dude. Hey, you're the host. I let things happen, man. I just I sit back and let it go. So it was a great conversation. I appreciate you so much for hopping on here, and thank you guys in the audience for for tuning in, checking us out, and. uh Appreciate it so much and thank looking you. forward to having you coming back on. Thank you very much for having me and uh, I appreciate it. And uh, one thing I, I like to tell all these people who are having me on their podcasts and stuff like that is next year you're going to be able to have me on here as a congressional member because I'm, I remember who, who got me where. Perfect. I appreciate <laughs> it. Thank you so much, Thanks, man. Sir. And we'll talk soon. Have a good one. All right. All right.
Oh, 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 I've got the right screen this time. <laughs> oh, hey guys. Uh, so thank you guys so much for tuning in again. We've got a wonderful week coming up. Uh, if you guys have not seen the new schedule, Tuesdays are still going to be Matt and Spike, Muddy Waters of Freedom. Wednesday, we spike running My Fellow Americans. Thursdays with Writer's Block with Matt Wright. And of course, Friday with me with the new slot, 2 p.m. Eastern. You're here with Mr. Merka, the Beard of Truth. Uh, if you guys have not gotten enough of me, you guys can tune in tonight. I'll be on Cajun Libertarian at 9.30 p.m. Eastern. Um, he's on Facebook, YouTube, and a bunch of other places. Uh, so you guys find him, tune in to them, him there. But with that being said, I hope you guys all had an amazing week. Hopefully you guys aren't stuck in the snow like Travis is. Um, but we will talk soon. And... I love you all. Appreciate y'all. Have a great week and see you guys next Friday. Take care. Be well.